And now for something completely machinima. Hey, welcome to And Now for Something Completely Machinima, the podcast about machinima and VR and real-time technologies and all of that stuff. Well, my name is Phil. Online, I'm known as Overman with a silent Z and a silent S. We're live streaming today's show today on Twitch. We'll see how that goes. And I'm joined by my co-hosts, Tracy Harwood. Hi. Damian Valentine. Hello. And Ricky Grove. Let's go! Today's show is uh, going to be a summary of some news in the area of machinima and whatnot. There's some interesting things to share. Throughout the month, we'll be doing other themed episodes, including an interview with a special guest, as usual, one where we focus solely on films that we've found and reviewed, and finally, just kind of an open discussion on some topics that have been on our mind. There are several ways to get in touch with the show, and we do not just encourage, but we rely on your interaction to drive the direction of this show. So you can do that through email. You can do it through text on your phone. You can do it through kind of a voicemail-like system. We have a Discord server. You'll know you're in the right Discord server because you'll hear all the crickets. <laughs> yeah. It's very quiet, brand new Discord server. So feel free to come by there and, and make some noise. All of those contact methods are available on our website, which is completelymachinima.com. And just click on the talk link in the menu, and that'll show you all those contact methods. We'd love to hear your feedback on today's shows, on past and future shows as well. So let's kick off Machinima News today. And Ricky, you have, if if I'm remembering right, you have a report for us on Machinima Omniverse, NVIDIA's new venture. Why don't you Uh tell us about that? Actually, before I do that, I've got two quick news items uh, that came in yesterday that I want to share with you. Imagination Rabbit, uh, Mike X, uh, M.Strange, I started a whole new series on YouTube called the IDGAF Filmmaking Approach to Machinima and uh, 3D Filmmaking in Unity. IDGAF stands for I Don't Give a Filmmaker. <laughs> And that's exactly what it's about. By by that profanity, what he's saying is, is it stop talking about making movies and make the things. That's basically what it is. Shut up. Don't worry about if your animation is not good enough. Don't worry if it doesn't look good enough. Don't worry if you have a complete script. And what he does is in this first episode, which I have to warn those with sensitive ears, is filled with an enormous amount of pro- prolific amount of profanity. Uh, very creative profanity. So if you like profanity, you'll really enjoy the segment, <laughs> like I do, because he's creative in his profanity, which all great uh, cursors are. But anyway, he takes you through his entire. He just finished a two-hour 3D uh, a film uh, shot in Unity, and he didn't do any animation, and he didn't do any of uh, made. He did not custom make any of the models. And what he does is he takes you through the IDGAF filmmaking approach. And that's just the first of many, many videos and even a book he's going to write about that approach. So that's very exciting. It's on YouTube. We'll give you the link to the uh, 
uh, in the show notes. And the second uh, quick announce is that uh, Rooster Teeth has announced that on May 27th, they have their new animated anthology series, Neon Convini. Uh, I'll read here uh, what they how they describe it. Uh, their Neon uh, Convini is a treat-filled, deliciously animated surprise from Rooster Teeth. This chaotic collection over 60 shorts spread out over eight weeks, weekly episodes has something to delight every animation lover. Mix of styles and funny little shorts featuring the return of fan favorite RWBY. Uh, along cool new stories from Lowbrow Studios, Studio FXB, and Yotam, per Yotam per Peril. Yotam Peril. The series is directed by Jordan Schwartz and produced by Sean Heights. Um, their trailer looks fantastic. I'm not a big fan of the Rooster Teeth, but this one I might tune in on. It's uh, really interesting and looks very creative. That starts on the uh, 27th. Okay, with that out of the way, let me get to uh, talking a little bit about Machinima Omniverse. I don't know whether our listeners or you know, but the Omniverse Machinima Beta was released around May 4th of this month. You can't go to the site and download uh, the application. You have to download it from within NVIDIA Omniverse. Now, NVIDIA Omniverse um, is a, how do I describe it? It's a, it's a platform for creating all sorts of 3D uh, assets and uh, scenes. Um, it and also being a, it has a communication aspect to it that allows people who are using it to communicate together and work together. It came from NVIDIA's uh, internal um, uh, network that they had for being able to collaborate with each other in products. They uh, like the uh, set up so much that they decided to make it open source and public. Well, as, as many of you know, they uh, announced a beta uh, version of a Machinima app inside of it back in October. And they've been really working hard behind the scenes to get it ready. But with the pandemic and everything, it was delayed. Uh, as I said, they released it on May 1st. You can install the application from within Omniverse. You go inside, you'll see there's a whole series of... Uh, Connect connectors, they call them. Um, Real Illusions Character Creator 3 is a connector. Blender is a connector. Maya is a collector. There's several other applications you, you can install within the Omniverse app. Uh, they have released five introductory tutorials and extensive documentation, uh, both on YouTube and also a separate documentation, documentation page on how to begin. Uh, I had a hard time with the Omniverse Machinima at first. I couldn't get the uh, uh, characters. They have quite a bit of content. They've taken two or three games, have uh, joined with them and given their content over um, to, to be able to use. And I had real troubles with it. So I contacted them. They have an open forum in their developers uh, uh, forum. And I couldn't get it to work. So they set up a session with me this last Monday to solve the problem. And it was a really interesting experience to be with uh, three engineers and a director of the program ask, taking me. They shared this. We sh I shared my screen with them. I talked to them through my Microsoft Meetup. And they would ask me to look through various parts of it and then put in some commands. They solved the problem. But the biggest thing they told me said that, uh, was that they had such a good time 
learning about how another user outside of their network uses the program. That was the great benefit for them because they, they become so, they were saying that they become so sort of walled off from other users, even mm -hmm. though they have betas, they, they get stuck thinking that this is how it works based on how uh, uh, familiar they are with the program. So it was really great right. for them to work with me. And they said they want more users to interact with them in that way. And they are, let me tell you, they are eager to make this program work for everybody. They want it to be easy to use. They want it to be fast. They want it to be like a traditional machinima uh, project. We had an interview with Dane Johnston that was published about two weeks ago, which I urge our listeners to uh, to uh, listen to, podcast 3.4, I think it was. In any event, he goes he goes into detail about how it was created, what's, what the layout is, what the what this workflow is, talks about how they made their demo. And they released a new demo, by the way, which is quite funny. Um, there's a lot of great uh, content, but you can also import FBX and OBJ format. So if you make something or you get something from online, like say the Unity um, uh, asset store, you can import that as an FBX or a OBJ format and it works just fine. They have an animation and a facial um, uh, facial animation connection called Audio Two-Face. They're a little behind in the development of that. It's slightly complex to get that set up, but they do give you a, a, a basic setup to use. I'm working on a short monologue, which I'll probably have done next week, which I'll share with everybody, uh, and then uh, talk a little bit about my workflow and experience. Um, the application is a bit of a hybrid application it's not quite a traditional 3d application and it's not quite machinima it's in between you have the benefit of um, a really high quality render a 3d stage it's built in the sort of traditional 3d stage with a sequencer that they call which is where you do all of your camera cuts and, and uh, control your scene, a content browser, a uh, sort of properties tree where you can change the properties for everything. And then of course the 3D uh, uh, viewer so you can see the results of what you're, what you're creating. You can record the live stream off of that or you can render whatever it is um, you've created like a traditional 3D application which puts it a little outside the bounds of machinima for me. but. I don't know. We're still they're still working on it. Um, there's some problems with the application. It's still in beta. It's twitchy. Um, for example, the export you can't export audio. You can only export video, which means you're going to have to get create your audio and then put them together in a video platform. That's not that hard, but it doesn't go towards their stated goal of making things easy for everybody. Also, the requirement of an RTX card in order to be able to use the application is a bit of a downer for people, especially in this uh, graphics um, graphics card environment. In the past, if we didn't have this problem, you could say, oh, wow, it's an RTX card. Well, I've been wanting to upgrade anyway. I'll just get a RTX 2060 card. <laughs> Good luck getting an RTX card for anything less than $1,000. Now, I was lucky because I was able to swap out my expensive card for an RTX card, and I didn't lose any money on it. 
But for those people who are thinking, hey, I want to give it a try and I'll just upgrade my card, that ain't going to happen. So timing is not timing is not good for them. I see this program as being a very interesting program. It's not quite ready for prime time yet. You have to be patient with it, patient with them. But then again, if you look back at Real Illusion when they started, they weren't quite ready for prime time when they kicked out. But I can't sure. tell you, I can't tell you that the crew behind this is eager to please. They are hardworking. They are really good. The results are excellent. And although they, uh, Dane, uh, the guy that I spoke to, Dane Johnston, couldn't give me any details, they're pretty secretive at NVIDIA, understandably so. But he said, I, when I asked him, I said, well, are there other game companies coming to you to they want to share their content for it? He said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which makes me think that there might be some major game companies like a Steam platform or Epic or something like that that wants to get involved in it. And I think that'll make the difference. However, there is one final problem that I wanted to share, and it's sort of a conceptual problem, is that one of the reasons that this program doesn't quite work as machinima is that you don't interact with a game. You don't actually, when you have the content from a game, it's just the content, it's not the game itself. So you don't have that experience that is so essential to machinima, which is, I played this game, I'm so excited about the story and the background of it that I want to do something in this world. There is no world. It's a three, in that case, it's a 3D application. So you have to come up with your idea first. So it's not going to have that feedback loop that happens in Machinima, which is Machinima, which is so essential. But despite that, I think it's going to be a really interesting project and I'm going to be with it for the long haul. So I'll be reporting on that in the future. Great story, Ricky. Ricky, as as someone who has, I mean, you have you have dabbled and worked with a wide variety of uh, programs, from iClone to I remember there was a period where you were experimenting in Cinema 4D. Mm-hmm. Um, you've cor- you've of course uh, experimented around in a lot of different games. Would you describe the Machinima Omniverse experience as one that's relatively intuitive for someone who has worked in those types of programs? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it sounds like it is, but I haven't seen yeah. it. So I was it's curious. modeled on the traditional 3D application format. Um, all the major applications have certain elements in their graphic interface, and it's just like that, um, which, which makes sense because they want to have something that people are – I mean, even Blender – when it started out with its original uh, graphic interface, was not intuitive at all. So what did they move towards? They moved towards a more traditional graphic interface. And That's now exactly got a, the example I was thinking of is Blender. Yeah, and yeah. It's when massive. it first came out, they did like a different paradigm, and it was tough. It was tough. Really tough. Now, this is very familiar. Once you understand the workflow, the, the learning curve initially is somewhat steep, but once you understand the learn the the Workflow, it's it's really, really beautiful. And there's a lot, there's so much you can do with it. I'm I'm really looking forward to coming up with some oddball kinds of things, you know. And the rendering is just fantastic. Their internal renderer is just gorgeous. Just gorgeous. Nice. Tracy, I understand you were gonna tell us a little bit about an my notes here are Ethereum sandbox game. And yeah. like, I, 
Ooh. Well, this Tell is mixing what, a couple of things that we think we know about, but probably know very <laughs> little about. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, uh, the the Ethereum based the sandbox game. Uh, okay, so the the sandbox is a is a user generated content game platform using a, a Minecraft style voxel world with voxel assets made by players themselves. It's a it's another metaverse style environment. Uh, it's been founded by um, two guys, Arthur Madrid and Sebastian Bourget. I think I pronounced that correctly. Apologies if not. Um, uh, who both have experience of developing games such as the Sandbox One. The Sandbox Evolution, Goosebumps Horror Town, Adam's Family, Mystery Mansion, Garfield, Survival of the Fattest, and Wonder Park, and, and various others. Um, the Sandbox, though, is a little bit different. Um, it's it's community driven. Um, it's a it's a community driven gaming platform that em empowers game makers to create, publish, and monetize a myriad of of uh, unique experiences on a what they describe as a decentralized platform using cryptocurrency payments. Uh, its creator's goal is to make the sandbox the new standard in world-building games, um, with millions of user-generated 3D voxel assets and games available as NFTs on the blockchain. Uh, they are building an ecosystem where content and value will be in the hands of the community, uh, and it's their belief that this is um, true decentralization. I think uh, the best analogy I have for it is Second Life, but without the Linden Labs part. Um, <laughs> so the Sandbox aims to have 100% of its land and sand owned by players. And I'll describe what I mean by both of those in a minute. Um, well, uh, land is, is the in-game territory that you can host content on. Uh, and sand is the, the game currency. Um, the creators do not intend that they will retain land or sand in the company reserves and the assets in the game are user generated and owned by the creators, which kind of begs the question, how do they make money? And we'll no doubt see how that unfolds in due course. Um, mm -hmm. Released uh, in a series of sales last year, the land immediately sold out uh, and there are no primary releases of land right now, albeit some are being teased in the community forum. Uh, and now you need land to host a game or a user experience. Basically, what that means is you have to trade on secondary market use, markets using NFTs. So if you want land, um, you have to go to marketplaces such as OpenSea and Rarible, as well as the Sandbox marketplace, which appears to be growing all the time. Now, as I said, the trading currency of the environment is sand, and sand is designed to be traded once it's listed on other crypto exchanges um, so you can trade uh, in other coin too it's ethereum based so you can so you can trade it uh, and um, extract value in theory um, now the publishers describe sand as a token uh, that allows holders to participate in governance decisions on the platform using a decentralized autonomous organization or dao structure holders can exercise voting rights on key elements such as foundation grant attributions uh, to content and game creators and feature prioritization on the platform's roadmap. The main focus at the moment, however, seems to be setting up partnerships for trading and audience reach and larger branded content. Um, so distribution and player acquisition is key to their strategy, uh, which is something we talked about when we discussed NFTs in episode two, I think it was, 
of the of the podcast. Um, the Sandbox has several partners, including Atari, CryptoKitties, Animoca Brands, Opera, DAP, Dedalord, Non-Fungible, Matica, and many more. Um, Animoca is a, a shareholder um, with um, a legal entity held in, in Malta, and they provide all the resources to support its marketing and distribution developments. The NFT option, I think, is quite elegant because, of course, it means that you own your assets. And at the moment, these are central to the development of the actual platform and its content, which includes both free-to-play and uh, pay-for content. The market for assets is derived um, from how people use those assets in their creative activities. Um, so you need land to host a game, for example. Of course, a key focus is on the creator community, and there are plenty of competitions where assets win prizes, and these can also be traded. It also funds two areas of activities through its creator grants, uh, for example, for voxel artists and for game designers. Asset creators can be paid between the equivalent of $2 and $60, um, and the assets can also be then sold on the marketplace. Game creators can be t uh, paid seemingly between four dollars and $30,000 per game, uh, but uh, the rub is in that uh, these uh, payments are made in NFTs. Uh, so how easily the NFTs can be ported out through other exchange mechanisms and to what uh, is a dominating question. And it's what I'm seeing uh, is the main interest in, in the environment at the moment. The most active discussion boards um, are around currency and its exchange. Um, is it yet another virtual Ponzi scheme? I, I think there's a real need to be extra cautious here. In the sandbox marketplace, there are currently eight games and uh, 115 assets being promoted. Um, but with its partners, it is developing more content, and these are being released later in 2021. Uh, in OpenSea, however, there are over 80,000 land items for sale. And when I looked at a few of the transactions, uh, these are simply being traded between people, mostly within the last two months. And unsurprisingly, the prices aren't quite as high as they were a month ago. They appear to have almost a million creators registered on Reddit and a Discord server with about 35,000 members on it, plus a number of active social channels where they talk to their users in such places as Twitter Spaces, Telegram, and Clubhouse, which I think gives it a kind of exclusive, uh, yet largely untraceable aura, which I also think is a bit of a challenge. Uh, there's a lot of information on their website about how they are developing, and most of that information I'm seeing generally is not what I would call uh, community created. In my opin opinion, these guys have got a bit of a challenge, such as, um, you know, the NFT nonsense um, has really kind of got to settle down and people have actually got to start concentrating on uh, generating the content. Um, again, it's very reminiscent of the, of the uh, gold rush we saw years and years ago with Second Life, when everyone and their wife tried to make a living using Linden dollars in one way or another. And and more recently, when NFTs were simply being traded by artists with no specific affiliations other than their own personal reputations. It took some um, some time for that to settle uh, in those early um, Second Life days uh, and for the focus to return to creative works. And this will no doubt be the same, I think. Um, the thing here is that the community creative side hasn't even got going yet, but clearly they have a strong investment strategy with big brand partners um, several of them uh, seem seemingly lining up. 
And clearly, as for machinima, well, it, it has promise um, for that too, not least because of the way assets are being created and traded. But this isn't going to be a no-cost machinima-creating environment by any means. Um, plus, we all know the problem with distribution of machinima isn't really now at the creative end of the process. It's what happens when it hits the distribution platforms. Um, so far beyond um, uh, beyond games and interactive experiences, there are no streaming distribution co components that I've seen in this environment. Um, and certainly there's nothing like any peer-to-peer -peer setups that I've seen. Um, so I think, you know, maybe that will come. I don't know. Uh, it's possible. Um, the Sandbox has itself said, even though it is a decentralized environment, creators still need to follow, follow um, copyright and trademark laws. Um, they, they say that uh, any IP owner can issue them with legal, legally um, binding takedown warning. How that's going to be managed within the environment is going to be interesting to see, I think. Um, content uh, is created in a, in a distributed way. Um, so it will be about the money trails again, those who can afford it and have the nows will pursue it, I'm assuming. Um, I'm not, not really advocating that, of course, and creators will need to use common sense, as they always have to. Um, albeit the environment can only police that in-game, um, which I think still leaves a role for the main platform distributors in any of them. Um, I think the thing at this stage is not to confuse the sandbox with sandbox environments that facilitate machinima making, such as Minecraft, GTA, Gary's Mod, Red Dead Redemption 2, and what have you. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting one to watch in many ways. Um, it's a means to harness indie content for a Minecraft-like output, with, but, but with a far more serious underpinning trading mechanism that will no doubt introduce many folks to cryptos and very possibly create an even bigger environmental problem than we already had in the process. Ethereum is slightly more green than Bitcoin, but even so in 2018, for example, use more energy than Iceland. And, and we all know some of the main folks mining cryptos are the Chinese. And it's no surprise to see there are also Chinese partners content creating in this environment too. Um, so for me, this raises a few ethical issues as an appropriate machinima creating environment at the moment. But I'd suggest check it out. Um, I think we'd all be really interested to see how you get on with this one. What do you guys think? Um, I had a quick hypothetical. So uh, I'm a machinima filmmaker. I get on this platform, uh, wandering around. I find a really cool setup. I, uh, I don't own the land. I decided to shoot something on it. I contact the person. Actually, I contact the person before and say, hey, is this okay? They say no. I shoot anyway. I make the machinima. I put it out in the world. Would they sue me? Would the game kick me off of the platform? It's possible. I mean, there there are, like I said, there are um, copyright issues there for sure. They they, they prob probably could, but mm. but the issue isn't in the game. There is it. It's wherever you distribute it that's the challenge. Right. That's what I mean. You've got kind of two separate issues with this one. One is, and I, and I can't see, I can't see the distribution being solved in game at this point in time but it's possible that it could be um you know because there are an awful lot of streaming services evolving well beyond you know the, the youtube and twitch and what have you right there's right. Ma there's many of those now so it's down to that process that i think um where you could um f you know fall foul of it but certainly in the game environment it's it's possible that you'll get 
well, take down, down notices. I don't know. I don't quite know what that means in this context. So it sounds like an environment that is interesting to look at, but ultimately, unless they make some changes, it's a pretty, it's a pretty narrow environment. I mean, you have to want to deal with NFTs. You have to want to deal with all the property issues that are around it. Plus, at this point, they don't really have enough content to, for most machinima filmmakers. I mean, what's to keep me from simply going to Unity, which is a free platform and getting free content and then putting it up and making whatever I want. I mean, the, exactly so. the, the scale of difficulty to over to, well, go ahead. You, you were, yeah, no, you I, I completely agree with you, Ricky. I think that's exactly the, the issue. And it, like I said, it seems to be the strategy at the moment is getting more content in there. Um, but at I the see. same time, you know, um, encouraging people to create, create their own content. But, but I think the NFTs um, issue has created, a bit of a monster for them, really. Um, so see. there's a there's a lot a lot going on in that space, which is probably taking up more energy than it should. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we had these issues, didn't we, with Second Life? Except, you know, um, the 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 Linden was owned um, by, you know, by Linden um, Linden Labs and what have you. Um, so the NFT business didn't really factor in, but it still became a you know a, a black market kind of currency. Um, which which was traded and we've got the same issues going on here because to me you know all of these um, land parcels what you know what's the value of owning those land parcels if you haven't got content for them or or an audience for the content that might go on onto them so they clearly have to get more content in the in the platform for this to work but they but you know looking at what they're doing looking at the kind of partners they're bringing in atari for example these are not small players by any means so you know there's all you know it's, it's it's shaping up to be something uh what i don't really know um and i'm i'm still slightly concerned about what the nft context does for for a whole bunch of reasons really hmm. it sounds interesting to me although my real concern would be there's, there's a lot of talk around the crypto currencies about what happens when it implodes yeah. Um, so what's going to happen to this platform if um, suddenly Ethereum becomes uh, worthless? Uh, because uh, as we've seen yeah. um, over the last week, Elon Musk uh, has mentioned cryptocurrency a few times and the value has just plummeted instantly. Um, so if that happens to Ethereum uh, and suddenly the, all this content, you, you may just, you've got your land and you've finally got the content you want and then suddenly it, it, it's gone because it collapses um i'd be a little bit concerned about that because if you're having to buy all this stuff you're putting a lot of money into into your project before you even start it um with the risk of it could disappear very quickly yes but but you could i mean you buy subs to all sorts of things don't you that's true so so it's not, it's not significant you know if you if you look at it as a form of entertainment it's not significantly different in in that respect if you're looking at it as a creator, creator platform, you have got to watch where the asset, you know, the assets go. Um, I think, like unlike, uh, unlike some of the other NFT stuff that I've been sort of following, the, because the assets are in this environment, it's the it's it's the it's the environment itself that you've got to watch. Whereas some of the other NFT stuff is sat on individual servers, 
So when those servers get switched off, people have lost their content and they don't even know where it sat in the first place. Yes. So here you've got a slightly different thing, maybe, um, because of this overarching branded context, or maybe it is another Ponzi scheme. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Time will tell. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Tracy. Thank you. So, Damien, you have had quite a week. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Why don't you tell us about it in, in whatever order you prefer? Uh, yes. Yeah, so as, as, as the day of recording, yesterday was the Fantasy Short Film Festival. Uh, we talked about this, I believe it was in episode two, as one of the film festivals that was accepting machinima submissions. And I thought after we recorded, I thought, well, I should probably um, submit to that as well. I mean, just we talked about it so let's give it a go and uh one of my films air to the empire which i've talked a bit about star wars fan film which i've talked quite a bit about uh, especially last month uh won the best animation prize uh, so, so that's a huge thrill for me <laughs> and the other so thing which awesome. yeah thank you Cheers. the other thing it, it was nominated for best visual effects as well and um i think that's a I mean, I'm very pleased about that, but it's also a really good sign for iClone and Realision because all the effects were done completely within iClone. I did no third party touching up or anything else. Um, Excellent. So, yeah. Um, so I'm really pleased about that. Uh, they also had the machinima subsection of it. Uh, so there's a best machinima film. Uh, it was called, the one that won was called Humdrum by Andre Santos. Uh, I didn't get to see any clips or anything, and I've tried to look it up so that we could put it in the show notes, but it doesn't appear to be available on YouTube yet. Um, so I, I, I can't watch it, and I can't t tell you anything about it, other than it was created with Little Big Planet 3, which I believe is a PlayStation Ooh. game, which is a, <laughs> That's a right. sandbox environment. I don't, I've never played it, so I can't really say much about it. I know there's a Sackboy character. He's kind of like a puppet, but I don't know anything about it. Um, so I'd be really interested to see that because it's not a game you expect to see people making machinima from. No, no. Um, and then after the awards, there was a after party which the award winners were invited to, and he was he, he joined in, and I did have a little bit of a chat with him, and he said that uh, he's more interested normally more interested in live action films, but because of the pandemic. Uh, he couldn't do anything like that and he loves video games so he decided to give machinima a try uh this is the film that he came up with and he really enjoyed the experience and he feels really proud that something he just enjoys for fun he could use creatively yeah that's great yeah and then um the film festival itself is great fun there's lots of other films on there that were uh there's some clips and interviews of the directors and the cast members and i've got a list of uh, films I want to check out. There's lots of Star Wars uh, competition for me, which I'm really thrilled at because there's some really good films. The uh, guy who's running it, um, uh, T.L. Westgate, he said that he wants to continue running the film festival. And he, uh, when asked about machinery, he said that it's he wants to be as inclusive as possible. So the machinery category is going to stay. So any of our people listening, if you want to enter a film festival, keep an eye out 
on this because the film festival will happen again next year. I don't have any dates for when submissions um, open yet, but keep an eye on it um, because it's definitely one worth uh, entering. Sure. Well, congratulations. congratulations. That is so yep. awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. So glad well deserved, you. too. You put so much hard work into filmmaking. You've gotten better and better over the years with practice. It's a perfect uh, example of making things to get better. Learn as you're doing. And I'm really, I'm really glad for you. Thank you so much. That's, that's really kind of you guys. All right. So I'll my quote unquote news thing isn't necessarily on Blues News or any of the websites. It's more of personal experience. Uh, I've been doing a lot of experimentation since Ricky and I got murdered by a drifter. <laughs> still that's still gets you. Yeah. You're not bitter, are you? I've been doing. <laughs> I've been doing. I, I, I've since been murdered by a bear, which is great. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's it was it was the best example of video game karma I think you can imagine. Is I'm using this trainer, and right near the end of one of my live streams, uh, where I was experimenting, I thought, you know, it would be fun is to just spawn a big bear in the middle of this populated town. <laughs> because in other instances where I've spawned it, it's like instantly hostile. <laughs> well, that's true, but it turns out that what that means is that it's instantly hostile uh, to the player. <laughs> the bear has no appetite for NPCs and you at all. You haven't learned the skill to destroy it yet. No, no, I have not. Oh boy. So anyway, yeah, I've been doing some experimentation with Red Dead Redemption Two, and actually, a friend of mine has kind of been learning and doing experimentation at the same time in Grand Theft Auto Five, and we've been kind of comparing notes and experiences and stuff. And whereas, I mean, it couldn't be further apart, the quality of experience and the tools available for Grand Theft Auto V, I mean, it's the reigning king for a reason. You know, there's still, you know, hundreds of thousands to millions of players still actively playing that game, which is not new. So, you know, it's it's got some whiskers on it. Red uh, Red Dead Redemption, there's been no such investment from Rockstar Games that's visible anyway, that, that, that's been released to make it possible to manipulate characters and, and sequence events. There's plenty of trainers out there. Trainer is a program where you kind of access, access to certain cheats and also can spawn any object or NPC or whatever. But getting any sort of control over them once you've spawned them is next to impossible. There was one tool that had some promise there. Yeah, that's right. Ben is correcting my my <laughs> description of the bear attack. Go, Ben. <laughs> yeah, that actually I had to run after the bear a bit to get it to attack me. That's correct. But I was running after it to scold it for not eating all those tasty NPCs. So that's the full story. Yeah, then I ran after it and it ate my face. So there was a tool and I say was 
for a reason I'll explain here. It was called Map Editor, which is a very confusing name for anyone who's done any game yeah. modding in the past. When yeah, you think yeah, of the yeah. map, you think of, okay, this is a level, like in Quake or one of those games. You've created this you know, uh, BSP map of dimensions and you know the walls with textures and some of it's baked in and the lighting sources and all that. That's a map. In Red Dead Redemption 2, the map editor, which was user-made, is more of the ability to save a collection of settings, spawned entities or objects or NPCs in their start positions. Um, you can assign them certain looped behavior. You know, so some of the some of the routines that NPCs do in the game where they're warming their hands by the fire or they're drinking a cup of coffee or leaning against a fence post. Those are called scenarios in the game. You can assign one of those to an NPC. And then when you spawn them, they'll immediately start doing that. And they'll still interact with their environment. You get close enough to them. They'll, they'll do the, Hey, how you doing? Those random greets and whatnot. But that's the extent of the control that you had. Uh, with any of these trainers. Map Editor had a feature where you could attach a script and they had implemented a scripting language to get at some of the functions in the game for spawning things, making a character travel to a certain place or mount a horse or get in a wagon or uh, you can trigger certain pre-recorded bits of speech within the game and in a sequence, in a script. So you could have it, you know, have the character say this line and then wait five seconds and say this one and wait five seconds and attack the player. Brilliant idea. Little bit of a learning curve um, if you're not comfortable with, you know, JavaScript or something like that. You know, you kind of need that familiarity to make any use of it. So this this person was releasing that mod, um, and something happened. And there's really there's no reliable source that I can find for what really went on. But the end result of it is the person pulled the mod from all the download sites, Nexus, Mod RDR. All the sites where it was hosted, pulled it, deleted all posts related to it, deleted the documentation for it, took down some of their own videos demonstrating it. I, just insane. And it's gone. It's gone. Completely gone. If you didn't already download it, it's not out there. Hmm. Uh, no explanation. No, you know, goodbye post to even you know, give us, a, okay, so he got griefed by somebody and he just, I've had enough. Uh, that's it. And there's no other mod like it uh, because it's a very difficult mod to make. So, yeah, that's frustrating because the, the game makers themselves don't appear to, they're, if they're doing anything at all, they're really dragging their feet. I mean, this is... GTA 5, as someone reminded me real recently, GTA 5 shipped with the tools to do this kind of stuff to make 
cinema in the game. Red Dead Redemption 2 did not. And, you know, there's been news announcements here and there that kind of seem like they're flirting with the idea or someone will look under the hood of, you know, the latest update to the game and they see components with certain names that seem to imply that might be coming. But just, you know, month after month after month after month goes by and nothing happens. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I I don't really have a lot of optimism that it's going to happen. Right. So there is one short that I'm working on in Red Dead Redemption 2. And fortunately, the needs with regard to animation and and action and whatnot are are simple enough to where I have determined I can 100% pull it off. Oh, good. But, But to do anything beyond that, and I mean really simple. So, yeah, it's it's discouraging. I mean, I I I guess I would go so far as to say, if you're pondering whether or not to get Red Dead Redemption Two, purely because of its promise as a machinima tool to make these beautiful, you know, films, I would discourage you from doing so. If you're interested in playing the game, it's a brilliant game. It's one of the most immersive storylines ever done for a computer game. It's absolutely stunning levels of detail in the story, in the environment. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful game and well-written. Um, it's, it's magnificent. You know, it's, I, I would think there are thousands of lines, tens of thousands of lines of dialogue recorded for this game. All the players, all the NPCs, are lip, they lip sync those lines when they execute them. Um, the environment is hugely detailed and, you know, it's, it's every bit a role-playing game as much as it is an adventure and a shooter. It's all of those. You can really, once you get back past a certain point in the single-player campaign, you can play it however you want. You can, you can treat it as a sandbox, essentially. Sandbox with you know, certain major hostilities built in, but still. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I'm disappointed. I really am. I was really hoping that on the other end of this few months of exploration that I'd be able to come on here and, and kind of give everybody hope of, Hey, even if rockstar doesn't come through, here's how you can do it. But short of, you know, launching some Kickstarter, and you know, hiring a programmer um, who happens to have the right because you wouldn't the code base is so complicated on this game, and the the asset structures are so complicated that the person to program it would not just need to know programming, C sharp or C or whichever one it uses, but then they'd also need to know the scripted version of that, which is called Chai Script, and then they'd also need to take all the time to develop a familiarity with the object structure of that game, which is immense and was clearly worked on by disparate teams because even down to the function naming and file naming conventions, it is 
all over the place. Like there's no standardization at all, which would be a nightmare for somebody trying to go in and program with it. So it really needs to be somebody who has that skill set, which I sure don't, and then has a passion for that particular game. Then maybe you could pay that person to do it. One of the things about machinima is that ease of creation, you know, you find something that's easy to work because the important thing is to get your story made. Yes. So if you're spending all this time trying to, I mean, I admire you for going through all that. And I know you have a great sense of detail and, and I love the game too, but it's like, and limitation is a, a, also a, a spur to our artistic creativity, but it just seems like beyond a certain point, you kind of go, well, let's not work on this game. Let's find something else. Yeah. Because you want to get something done. I mean, all the time spent on trying to get a, a, a fundraising program to get somebody to code something. You could have made 15 films in that. Yeah. That's not time, how you know? I want to spend my time. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's where I'm at with it, Ricky. It's, it's the one short that I allowed myself to to fantasize into reality. That one I can do, but I'm not even letting myself you know, that, that experience with a good game that you've talked about where it inspires ideas and all that. I've kind of deliberately closed myself off from that because I don't want to be disappointed. I mean, there's just there's no way to do that kind of scale of production in the game. Now, if down the road, Rockstar surprises us all, you know, yip de doo I'll be happy about that. But yeah, yeah I can't wait around. Got to move on. So anyway, that's the status with that and that's for the reports yeah you bet wish i had better news but um you know want people to know how it is there's certainly plenty of other choices for places to you know games to use to make machinima we're we're spoiled for choice right now so it's a good time to be doing it so that concludes our news episode today once again if you want to get in touch with us head on over to completelymachinima.com and click the talk button in the menu on the top. That'll show you all the different ways you can get in touch with us. Uh, We are on Facebook. We're on Twitter. You know, whatever method you want to use, we try to monitor all those channels. And we absolutely would love to hear from you. Thank you, Tracy, Damien, and Ricky. Mm -hmm. Welcome. My pleasure. And we will see all of you on the next episode.